Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. On today's broadcast, Pastor John Butler speaks from the subject of foolish thoughts. And now here is Pastor John Butler with today's broadcast. We're going to read verse 1. It's not the only scripture we'll read this morning, but that's going to be our first scripture today. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. You are welcome to read from whatever blesses you. And if you didn't bring your Bible today, you can pull it up on your mobile device or you can follow along with us on the screens. We're going to read verse 1 together. We'll come back and read it again in just a moment. This is a psalm of David, so King David wrote this himself. He says this, Only fools say in their hearts, there is no God. They are corrupt, and, and their actions are evil. Not one of them does good. Only fools say in their heart, there is no God. They are corrupt, their actions are evil, and not one of them does good. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just ask that you would illuminate our hearts, Lord, with your word. I pray that you would anoint the reading and the preaching, the teaching, the hearing, and Lord, most of all, the doing of your word today. Lord, change us through your presence, your power, and your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, happy April Fool's Day, everybody. <laughs> you probably didn't expect to hear that from the pulpit today. Certainly not on Easter. The origin of April Fool's Day is a little sketchy. Nobody seems to really know definitively why it is we even have that day on the calendar. But, but what is certain is this. Foolishness has been around since, since there's been humans on the earth. <laughs> so the, since foolishness is part of the human experience, it shouldn't be surprising that the Bible would have something to say about foolishness. Now, but what might shock you is just how much the Bible says about foolishness. And as a matter of fact, God is not shy in just flat calling some people fools. Anything God says once is important. Would you agree with me? But anything that he repeats over and over and over again, we need to pay particular attention to. So today we're going to begin a series called Profile of a Fool. Profile of a Fool. <laughs> That's a, well, that's one way to do it. There's Mr. T. He pities the fool. Who, but this is the real graphic. Profile of a fool. And we're going to talk about the things that we find in the Word of God. We're going to explore the things and the people that God calls foolish. Now, we're not going to do that to condemn them or to point fingers at them, but rather to examine ourselves and to make sure that we're not falling into foolishness. Because, listen, if I call you a fool, I might just be having a bad day. If God calls you a fool, you're just a fool, right? <laughs> and me too. So it's important that we find out what that is. But listen, the good news, as always, is that when, when the Word of God, when the Lord ever points out anything, ever points out a problem, He never leaves us without hope and never leaves us without a solution. And so we're going to dive into the first message in this series. Today's message is, is foolish thoughts. Foolish thoughts. And I want to look back at the, at the first scripture in Psalm 14 in verse 1. Look at what it says. The fool, only fools say in their hearts there's no God. 
Only fools say in their hearts, there is no God. A person who denies the existence of God, according to the Bible, is a fool. As a matter of fact, he says that the only way someone could possibly say there is no God is if they're a fool. Why is that? Because God has made the evidence of his existence perfectly clear to anybody who looks with an open mind. I want to show you that in Romans chapter 1 and verse 18 through verse 20. It says, but God shows his anger from heaven. What's he angry about? Against all the sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because He's made it obvious to them. How did He make it obvious? For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see His invisible qualities. What qualities are those? His eternal power and His divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. The evidence for God is literally everywhere you look. That's why God says you have to be a fool not to accept it. Now, a lot of people use this scripture as an attack on, uh, against atheists. And as we've just discovered, just, we've just talked about, there's certainly an application there because atheists do deny the existence of God. But I think there are, there are lots more people to whom this scripture applies than, than maybe just the atheist. Craig Rochelle, a few years ago, wrote a book uh, called Christian Atheists. Christian Atheists. I haven't, I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I'm looking forward to it. But the, pr- the premise of the book is this, that we have, we have people who call themselves believers, followers of Jesus, but they live their lives completely ignoring the truth of God's Word. Isn't that a sad statement on American Christianity? The, the problem is, though, it's as sad as it is true. Can you call yourself a Christian and still be a fool? I mean, it's an important question, isn't it? I think you can. I think the Bible says you can. And here's how I think it works. You cannot separate God from His Word. Would you agree with me? You can't separate God from His Word. John chapter 1 says that, that the Word and God are the same. The Word was God, he said. So there are people who who say they believe in God, but they ignore His Word and they think everything's fine. See, you cannot be surrendered to God and at the same time be in rebellion to His Word. You, you, You just can't do that. A fool says in his heart, there is no God. What happens in your heart? Well, Jesus said, as a man thinks in his heart, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So is he. So what makes a person a fool is not just in their actions, but it's also in their thoughts and in their attitudes and in their decision-making processes. Whether you ignore the existence of God completely or if you just ignore the application of God's Word and truth in your life, either way, the Bible says you're a fool. And that starts in your thoughts and in your beliefs. So if you don't put on the helmet of salvation, if you don't put on the mind of Christ, if you don't transform yourself by the renewing of your mind with the Word of God, then you'll be one of those people who call themselves a believer but still live like a fool. And so let's look at four attitudes or four thoughts that Jesus himself, when he was on the earth, defined as foolish. And let's make sure that nobody walks out of here today with God calling them a fool. 
And I promise you there's also an Easter connection so y'all can relax, okay? Here's the first foolish thought. Number one, it's foolish to build, your, to build on your own truth. It's foolish to build on your own truth. And I want to show it to you in Luke chapter 6, a very, very familiar um, parable that the Lord gave. And Jesus said this, So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I'll show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays a, a foundation on a solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it's well built. Anybody sense a butt coming? But anybody who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house without a foundation. When the floods sweep, against, sweep down against the house, it will collapse into a heap of ruin. Jesus is a little frustrated here. And, and he's frustrated by people who call him Lord, but don't obey his word. Does that sound familiar? Sound like the Christian atheist we just talked about? He said, Jesus said, let me point, paint you a little word picture here. He said, if you call me Lord and you actually do what I tell you to do, then you're like a man who builds a house on a strong, deep, solid foundation. And when the storms of life come, and the storms of life always come, when the storms of life come, Jesus said that man's house is going to stand strong. In another account, Jesus calls that man a wise man. But by contrast, he says, but hey, listen to this. If you call me Lord, you hear the truth of my word, and you know my will, but you decide you're not going to do it, then you're like a man who builds a house without a foundation, just builds it right down on the sand. And when the winds blow and the rains come, the foundation gets washed away and the house collapses. I want you to look, though, at what Jesus calls this person in, in, another, uh, in another passage where he tells the same parable. Look at Matthew chapter 7 and look at what Jesus said. Anybody who hears my teaching and doesn't obey is foolish, like a person who builds a house on the sand. Did you hear the contrast there? The difference in a wise person and a foolish person is not in hearing the word because both of them do that. The difference in the wise man is that the wise man has decided in his heart to do what Jesus says to do. The foolish man, however, somehow thinks he knows better than God. Let's go back to the point. The first point, the first foolish thought is it's foolish to build on your own truth. You say, well, John, how is this building on your own truth? Well, if you ignore the truth of God's Word, Whose truth are you listening to? If you ignore the foundation of Jesus Christ, what foundation are you building on? You hear people talk about this all the time now, and it kind of grinds on my nerves, to be honest with you. You, you hear people say this all the time, I'm just going to tell my truth. I'm going to speak my truth. I say this all the time, I'm going to live my truth. Listen, please hear me today with as much love as I can muster up before 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning. You don't have any truth. You don't have truth. You have opinions. You have experiences. You have history. You've learned some lessons. But you do not possess truth 
unless you possess Jesus because Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. So if you build your life on the truth, then no matter what comes your way, you're going to be okay. But listen, if you choose to build your life on some other truth or build on your own truth, then you're going to be in for a rude awakening. People say this all the time. They quote this poem, Invictus. It says, I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. You've seen that on T-shirts and bumper stickers? And that all sounds great until the wind blows and the rains fall. And then you realize that you have deceived yourself. How, do you even, how does that even happen? How do you deceive yourself? Well, two things, two ways. One, the Bible says a human heart is the most deceitful thing in the world. And two, that's what happens. That self-deception is what happens when you hear the word, but you don't do it. And I want to show it to you in two scriptures. Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9 says, The human heart is the most deceitful thing of all. And desperately wicked. Who really even knows how bad it is? <laughs> James chapter 1 verse 22 says this, but don't just listen to God's word. You have to do what it says. Otherwise, look at what happens. You're fooling yourself. You're fooling yourself. Listen, don't be foolish. Build your life on God's truth and not your own. Here's a second foolish thought that Jesus pointed out. It's foolish to think that tradition will lead to righteousness. It's foolish to think that tradition will lead to righteousness. In Luke chapter 11, Luke chapter 11, it says this. As Jesus was speaking, one of the Pharisees invited him home for a meal, so he went in and took his place at the table. His host was amazed to see that he sat down to eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony required by Jewish custom. Then the Lord said to him, You Pharisees are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but you're inside, you're filthy. You're full of greed and wickedness. Now look what Jesus says. At the home, he's the guest in someone's home. He said, Fools! Fool. They hadn't even served the meal yet. Jesus said, You're a fool! Didn't God make the inside as well as the outside? So clean the inside by giving to the poor and you'll be clean all over. The Pharisees, the religious people of the day, got offended that Jesus didn't follow their tradition, not follow the command of the Lord now, follow their tradition and do this ceremonial hand-washing ceremony. God didn't command it. There was no real hygiene uh, purpose to it, so Jesus decided it's time to eat. <laughs> he sat down. And, but, but Jesus didn't do anything accidentally. He, he did it on purpose. He did it to make a point. So he, he was saying, look, your traditions are foolish. Your traditions are foolish. Your thought processes are foolish. You have a tradition to clean the outside of the cup, but the inside's still filthy. And the point was clear. It's just like cleaning the outside doesn't make the cup clean. Your traditions, he's telling the Pharisees, are not going to lead you to being right with God. Because traditions focus on the external, righteousness is a matter of the heart. It comes from the inside out. Listen, you can do good things and still not be righteous before God. But you cannot be righteous before God and it not come out in the good things that you do. 
You see, a lot of people are sitting in churches every week because they think church attendance is getting them brownie points with God, right? They, they serve in the outreaches, they serve in the ministries, they, they, they give in the offering, they put a little fish symbol on their car, they wear a cross around their neck, they say the right things at the right times. But listen, if all of that stuff is done simply out of religious exercise for you, if, if, it's, just, if it's just your tradition, if you say, oh, I, I go to church every Sunday because that's how I was raised. I give in the offering every week because my mama taught me to do that. I wear a cross because my papa wore a cross and I was born into a Christian family. Listen, if that's all that is to you, then those are just your traditions and that means you have two problems. <laughs> One, God don't give brownie points, so pff, there's that. And then number two, you can't work your way into God's favor. It's just, that's not how that works. I want you to look at what the Bible says about our works of righteousness, about the good stuff that we do without Jesus. In Isaiah 64, it says, it says a, a, really, a really hard thing to hear. We're all infected and impure with sin. Well, good Sunday morning to you. We're, we're all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, we do good stuff, they're nothing but filthy rags. Are you kidding me? I'd, all the stuff I've done, all the good stuff I've done... There's no amount of good things you can do, no tradition that you can keep that's going to make you right with God because by comparison, even our righteousness is dirty. You say, well, that sounds like bad news. No, that's great news. That's the best news because we couldn't do it for ourselves. Jesus did it for us. That's what Easter's all about. That's what we're here about. That's why he went to the cross, to be the sacrifice for our sins. The Bible says he became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. He gives us his righteousness. When we come to him, we repent of our sins and we surrender our lives to him. I want you to look at what the Apostle Paul said, how, how he put it in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. God saved you by his grace when you believed you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation's not a reward for the good things you've done, so none of us can boast about it. For we're God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. Listen, our righteousness is only obtained by what Jesus did for us on the cross. It's the only way. You can't work your way into righteousness and it's foolish jesus said to think you can but you can surrender your way to righteousness and that's the smartest thing you can ever do tradition will never lead you to righteousness but jesus can jesus can here's a third foolish thought that jesus pointed out in his time on the earth it's foolish to substitute greed for godliness it's foolish to substitute greed for godliness. Luke chapter 12, verse 15, Jesus tells this account. He says, Then beware, guard against every kind of greed, because life's not measured by how much you owe, how much you own. So he went ahead and told the point of the story. This, th that was the point of the story. And then he tells the story. He told him a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, well, What should I do? I don't have any more room for my crops. And he said, I know, 
I'll tear the barns down and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and I'll say to myself, my friend, he's talking to himself now, <laughs> calls himself a friend. Interesting. My friend, you have, stored, you have enough stored away for years to come now. Take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Y'all sense another but coming, don't you? But God said, you fool, you will die tonight, then who's going to get everything you worked for? And then Jesus put the point on it again. Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. You ever heard somebody say, he who dies with the most toys wins? Y'all, ain't never, y'all don't drive? Y'all don't see that bumper sticker from time to time? That's what this guy believed. He believed he died with the most toys. He won. Very wealthy, getting wealthier by the day. Had everything he could possibly need and then some. But guess what? Wasn't enough. He wanted more. He wanted more and more. Not because he needed anything more, but just because he could. And Jesus called him out for it. As a matter of fact, he called him a fool. Well, why, why was he a fool? Was it because he's rich? No. Wealth has never bothered the Lord. There's been wealthy believers around, around the Bible uh, all throughout. Job was, was very wealthy. Abraham, Solomon, lots and lots of people were very, very wealthy men. That's not what it was about. What Jesus took exception to is that this man had made great preparations for his needs on this earth but absolutely no preparations for what he would need in eternity. He said, you're a fool because you stored up all this treasure here, you don't, but you don't even have a relationship with God. We are, we are a blessed nation in America, aren't we? We are blessed people. We're at the tip of the top of the world in terms of, of what we possess. The problem is not, though, what we possess. The problem is in what possesses us. Do, do we belong to Christ or do we belong to our stuff? Do, how, we say, well, I'm not even sure what that means. How do, you, how do you tell? Well, whose voice is louder when it comes to what you do with your time? Do you prioritize God or do you prioritize the toys that you've accumulated or the hobbies that you've invested in or the activities that you enjoy? Nothing wrong with any of that stuff in its proper place, but don't allow greed to be a substitute for godliness. It's an old adage, but it's true. Hearses don't pull U-Hauls. You can't take it with you. That's what Jesus told this guy. He said, you're going to die tonight. And guess what? None of this stuff is going with you. Your soul is going to be required of you. And this stuff that you've worked your whole life for is not going to matter to you anymore. It's going to belong to somebody else. Let me ask you this question this morning. Have you got your priorities in, in the right order? you have a relationship with God at the top of your list? Because there's two, there's two, pro, there's, there's two certainties in life, at least in America, right? Death and taxes. If you got enough money, apparently the tax thing is kind of flexible. So, so that just leaves death. Death is certain. And it comes for the rich and the poor and the middle class. And if you've, if you've made great preparations for your life, but none for your death, Jesus said you're a fool. 
But you can change that today. You can change it today. Here's the last thing. It's foolish to ignore what God has made clear. Here's your Easter connection. It's foolish to ignore what God has made clear. Now, Jesus was crucified and buried on Friday, but on Sunday, he rose again, right? That's why we're all so excited this morning. It's not caffeine. We're high on Jesus this morning, right? He, he rose from the dead on Sunday. And then, he, and then he started on that very day. He started to appear to his followers during that day, two of whom he met as he walked on the village of, to, towards the village of Emmaus right outside of Jerusalem. So Jesus walked along beside them and acted as if he hadn't heard anything about himself, didn't know anything about the ministry or the crucifixion, so he's just going to hear what they had to say. So they, they described what all had taken place, and then Jesus said this to him in, in verse 25 of chapter 24 of Luke. Jesus looked at him and said, You foolish people. Jesus really was uh, rough sometimes, wasn't he? You foolish people, you find it hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the Scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all those things before entering His glory? And then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the Scriptures the things concerning Himself. What was Jesus so upset about? He just rose from the dead, and now he's calling people fools just a few hours hours later. What's he so upset about? Well, the life, death, and crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus was the most predicted and reported event in history. Prophets had been telling people it was coming for centuries, down to the details of how it would happen and and what would happen. Jesus was careful during his life to make sure every prophecy was fulfilled just like the Word said. He even controlled the time frame of of his crucifixion so it would happen at the perfect time, not just in history, but in the Jewish calendar. Everything was just like it was supposed to be. And as a matter of fact, he had just told them a few days before, look in Luke 18, verses 31 through 33, he took the 12 disciples aside and Jesus said, listen, we're going to Jerusalem where all the predictions of the prophets concerning the Son of Man will come true. He'll be handed over to the Romans. He'll be mocked, treated shamefully, and spit upon. They'll flog him with a whip and kill him. But on the third day, he will rise again. They had everything they needed to understand and believe, and they still didn't get it. Jesus was saying, what else do you need? What else do you need to see? What else do you need to hear? How foolish can you be to ignore what God has made so obvious to you? And look at what happened when Jesus followed him and he had dinner with him. That's, that's, why we love, that's why we eat so much as Christians. Jesus is eating all the time. So we, we went down to Luke chapter 24, verse 30. So they sat down to eat. Jesus took the bread and blessed it. He broke it. And he gave it to them. They're like, ooh, this is kind of familiar. And suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. And they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And and within the hour, they were back on their way to Jerusalem. They found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them. Then Jesus appeared to those guys and the 11 disciples, and this is what he said in verse 44. 
He said, when I was with you before, I told you everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms had to be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. And you are witnesses of all these things. So listen, looking back, these guys were trying to process all this in real time, right? They, they were dealing with the emotion and the fear and all the stuff that had been going on around Jerusalem all weekend. So I can cut them some slack. I can understand why they were confused and, and, and couldn't really put their finger on exactly what was going on. But listen, it's been 2,000 years since then. Christianity has been, has been challenged over and over and over for centuries and still it stands proven over and over and over again to be true proven to be true over and over and over so here's my question to you this morning how long will you ignore what God's trying to make clear to you is your heart not burning inside of you do you not feel drawn to the message that there is forgiveness of sin for those who repent what else do you need to hear? What else do you need to see? The truth of Jesus is something you build your life on. His life, His death, His resurrection, His truth. And it'll withstand all the storms of life. It's worth more than anything you can accumulate on this earth, I promise you. It's not about religious tradition, but a personal relationship with a living, breathing, all-powerful God who wants to have a relationship with you and wants to walk with you just like He walked with these guys on the road to Emmaus. Listen, don't be foolish. Don't be foolish. When God calls, you really should answer. When He shows you something, you really should believe it. When He shows you Himself, you should fall at His feet. Fall at His feet. Confess your sin. And follow Him forever. Don't let foolish thoughts lead you into foolishness. Be a wise person. Surrender your life to Jesus today. Would you stand with me, please? We pray that you've been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast with Pastor John Butler. You can hear today's message in its entirety by visiting our website at covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.